Wow. I said it last time I spoke, and I'll say it again. I am not Michael Davis. <laughs> I am David Parker. Um, for those of you that don't know me, um, I am the youth ministries intern um, here. And um, just wanted to um, start off this message with a little bit of a preface. It's um, going to be a little bit of a shorter one. I just had a... Um, a short challenge that the Lord really laid on my heart um, a little while ago. Um, and so I just want to start off by asking you, everybody here um, just a question to think about. And that is, what is your next big thing? Um, just generally, you don't got to shout it out or anything, I'm asking for that. Just, I want you to think about it for a few seconds. Like really think about it. What is the next big thing in my life? Like, it could be a big, like, a milestone or an event. Um, I wrote down just a few that might come to mind. It could be uh, a birthday. Um, you know, we just celebrated um, one of my friend's birthdays just yesterday. It could be um, a graduation. I know there's a lot of that. Um, a lot of graduation parties that happened over the last few weeks. Um, I know my little sister just graduated. It's a really big thing. Uh, could be an anniversary. Um, that's a really big thing, especially if you forget. Um, um, for me personally, when I think about that question, what's your next big thing, um, unsurprisingly what comes to mind would be um, our wedding. Um, that's something that's you know, been our next big thing for a really long time, um, but we're actually, I believe, 96 days away from that. So now we're really getting close, and it's <laughs> and it is, it's really our next big thing. And I'm just saying 96 days because I'm already practicing so I can remember our anniversary. Um, that's what comes to mind for me. And I think that um, no matter who you are, no matter what kind of walk of life you might be walking, everyone has that next big thing. And just that little thing that you always know that's right around the corner. Um, And what's funny about that is, you know, that thing kind of helps you keep going up, helps get you out of bed in the morning. Like, all right, I have this coming up. I got to keep doing what I need to do so I can have this. Um, But what's funny is every time you get past the next big thing, a birthday, an anniversary, um, a wedding, you know, a graduation, is there's always another thing. Right after you turn that corner, off on the horizon, there's another big thing. Um, And I just want to begin our reading today, if you would turn with me, to Joshua chapter 24. Um, We're going to begin our reading in verse 5, but before we begin... I just want to ask that you would all just um, bow your heads and um, open in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear God, I thank you for this day and just this time for all of us to um, come together and open your word. Um, I pray that um, you can just help everyone in this room um, to just be properly prepared in their hearts to receive whatever it is you have for them. God, I pray that um, I won't say any word that you don't have for these people here today. I pray that you can help me to just speak um, clearly, um, help you to speak clearly through me, uh, and I pray all these things in your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 5, um, and just a little bit of context and background to this, um, we are following the children of Israel, and the place that we find them in in chapter 24 is um, a pretty good one, they're actually doing pretty well for themselves. A lot of times when you 
we'll read different stories about the children of Israel. They'll be in trouble or they'll have um, idols that they need to take care of or you know, God needs to swoop in again and save the day and then they'll be committed to him again. Um, but when we find them in Joshua chapter 24, um, they're in a pretty good spot. Um, and we also find the main character of this story is um, Joshua. And Joshua at this point in his life um, is getting up there in years. At this point in time, he was probably around 110 years old. And it's that in and of itself, thinking of the fact that someone could, you know, live that full of a life is crazy. But what's even crazier is to think about some of the different events that he witnessed um, in the children of Israel's time. So I wrote down just five of them. Um, One thing he witnessed was God delivering them out of Egypt, out of slavery. God used Moses to deliver them all out of there. He would have witnessed that. Um, He witnessed God give Moses the Ten Commandments and bring them down to the children of Israel. He witnessed all of that. He witnessed um, Moses die and actually pass the leadership to him, which was massive. I can't even imagine God telling you, all right, you're going to be my mouthpiece. Um, Another one, he witnessed the Israelites entering the land of Israel, which is even crazier because you think when Moses died, then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And that was when he started leading, but he still witnessed them enter. And also he witnessed the Israelites conquering the land of Israel. Um, So Joshua, more than anybody, recognizes um, that God is powerful and that God is sovereign and that he was in total control. And you can tell through the life of Moses and the life of Joshua, one thing about them is they were very committed to God. And it's a good thing that them as the leaders were committed to God because as we're going to read and as you all know, the children of Israel as a whole really struggled with staying fully committed to God. Um, And so Joshua lived a pretty full life and he's coming to the end of it and I think he knows it and I think you can tell um, by what takes place in this. And so in the first um, four verses, I'm not going to read those, but we see that Joshua calls the children of Israel as a whole together at Shechem. And Shechem was a pretty important place. They had a lot of different like, meetings and stuff there. It actually was the place um, where Abraham first settled in the land of Canaan when God called him to do that. Um, so that was like a really important spot where a lot of leaders would meet and stuff. Um, but we read that he called all of the elders and all of the leaders, anyone who had a position of authority to that place, and we're going to read that he had one last challenge for the people of Israel, because Joshua knew that his time was probably coming to an end. Um, So that's where we're going to start with the first point, um, the reminder that Joshua gives the people of Israel. Um, Because Joshua knew that um, he knew how powerful God was, and he knew they needed to stay committed, um, but he knew that they would have trouble with it. So he gave one last reminder for all of the things that God had done for them. Um, So I'm just going to read the verses real quick. We're not going to focus on all of them, don't worry. Um, but just reading from verse 5 to 13, it says, um, this is God speaking through Joshua. And he says, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought you out, um, when I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued you with the chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought you He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw it with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. 
I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave you them into your hands. I destroyed them before you and took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against you, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, and he blessed you again and again. Then I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Gerashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I gave them all into your hands. I sent the hornets ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow, so I gave, the, um, I gave you the land which you did not toil and the cities you did not build. And now you live in them and eat of the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So like I said before, Joshua had all of that fresh in his mind of all of the different things that God had done. But he knew better than anyone, him and Moses especially, how they're just so easy to forget just based on the moment. They can just forget about you know, all the things that God had done and they're just going to worship idols and do whatever they want to do. Um, and so one thing that Joshua knew is that he can remind them all they want. You know, that seems like that's like half the job is being the leader of Israel is just reminding them, hey guys, God is faithful. He's been faithful. We've got to stay committed to him. And so what we're seeing that Joshua's challenged them to do is not just have him remind them, but that they need to be able to remind themselves of the greatness of their God. Um, you know, it's always easy for us in the modern day to look back on the children of Israel and just find it so laughable of all of those great things that God did, literally within the span of one lifetime, of just Joshua's. And there was way more that he did in the history of the children of Israel um, as they became a nation. And then just time and time again, it seems like every other chapter, they walk away from God. Um, But I think that when we um, look at our own lives, and we really are more critical of ourselves, I think that we see the same thing. Um, I think that there is a lot of people that it's easy to say, you know, yes, I'm a Christian, you know, I go to church, I'm a follower of Jesus, um, but then it's, sometimes it's a lot harder to look back on your life and see practically how God has worked through your lives. Um, I personally believe that every single born-again believer can look back on their lives and see crystal clear evidence of God working in their lives if they're very intentional in looking for it. I mean, obviously the first thing God did to work in your life was having you come to Christ and starting that relationship. But I think that there are so many things that we aren't even able to see in the moment of God working in our lives. Um, it reminds me of um, a mentor I had, an older guy, and he, um, we had a really good discipleship relationship and we would meet every once in a while. And um, one thing that he always did was he kept a prayer journal. So he had all of the prayer requests that his friends, his family, his church family would give him, and he'd keep them all written down to help him just keep that fresh in his mind. Every time he prayed, he'd look through it. Um, And that's a really good thing to do, but another thing he did was take it a step further, and he had another journal, and he would write down all of the different specific prayer requests that God answered in his life. And he had just like multiple journals that he kept of times that he could look back and say, yeah, God answered that prayer, whether it was big or small, you know. And I think that all of us have the ability to do that. You know, I know that a lot of us in this church family have gone through a lot of hardships, um, but I also know from just getting closer to all of you guys that 
through all of those, God has brought us all through them and worked through them. Um, and so I think that's always important to be able to look back on your life and say, God worked in this way. Um, personally, a story that always comes to mind for me, especially lately, um, is actually getting the internship at this church. Um, you know, it's kind of a long story, and so I'll just cut it short, but the deadline for, like, committing to a church to go to, um, Rachel and I were past it because we really felt peace that God would provide a church that was looking for two interns. Um, And if you'll remember, um, last year, this church was not looking for two interns. They were just looking for one. And I remember um, there was one church that was looking for two, and it just was not panning out at all. And it was like a really anxious time for us. Um, and I remember we just kind of came to the point um, that Rachel told me that God had given her peace to just have me look for a church, and then she'll just follow me and not even be an intern, but just serve in the church so we can just, you know, start our lives. Um, and so we're like, okay, we'll move forward. And the first church that reached out after that for an interview was this church. And as Pastor Michael, he sent me an email. We um, set up an interview. It was a Friday last year in May, that Pastor Michael reached out to me. On Saturday, we had the interview, and it went really well. And then at the end, I remember um, he said, well, I th- he told me, like, you know, I think this interview went really well. He said, is there anything else? And I said, well, this might really change how you think the interview goes. Um, and I just told him, you know, like, I have a, a girlfriend. We're very serious. Um, we're planning on getting engaged pretty soon. Um, would you be able, I just said, do, to do anything to, like, help us out with housing before we get married. Um, And I remember right away, he just kind of said, well, I've kind of been thinking about, you know, trying to take on a children's intern, and that was kind of something I had in the future. Um, So that was the Saturday. On Sunday, he had the deacons meeting, and he told the deacons about it. And then that Monday, he called me back and said, all right, we'd just like to take you both on. Um, And that's just a really good story that I know Rachel and I will always bring to mind. Um, when we're talking about different ways that God has worked our lives of, it was Friday, we committed to, all right, we're just going to, we have peace about this, we're just going to take a step of faith. Saturday, God provided an interview. Sunday, Michael met with, Pastor Michael met with all the deacons. And on Monday, we were kind of going into the process of becoming interns here. Um, and I truly believe that all of you guys that are here today can look back on your lives and find little instances like that and say, okay, God worked in this way. And um, I think that that is so important to do. So I would encourage you guys um, to be intentional about that, to look back through your life um, in big ways or little ways that God has worked through it. And I would, I would encourage you to write them down um, because that's such an important thing to do um, because it's easy for us to, like I said, laugh at the children of Israel for how they acted and how they turned away. Um, but it is really just as easy for us to do it. We're all human. Um, so we've seen that Joshua gave the Israelites the reminder of God's grace, greatness, um, but now we're going to move on to the confrontation that Joshua gives them. So I must read verses 14 through 20. Starting in verse 14, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your, that your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors beyond, um, that served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites who are in this land living. 
But for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, uh, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out all nations before us, including the Amorites which lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God, he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your rebellion and sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Um, so I find it really interesting about you know these verses is Joshua reminded them, and now he's kind of telling them, like, you need to make a decision. And they very quickly were like, you know, far be it from us to turn our backs on the Lord. Like, imagine doing that. Like, they never did that dozens of times in the past. Um, and Joshua very quickly comes back and says, you cannot serve the Lord. Um, I really like how Joshua kind of starts dividing up the people at this point and telling them, and I'm paraphrasing, um, what he's saying is, you need to serve the Lord or don't. Um, you know, like, just make that decision um, because you can't do both. There's no, okay, I'm going to serve God, and then also when I go back home, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, I really think that that's a problem that's becoming a lot more apparent in the big C church of the world today is there's a lot of these quote-unquote halfway Christians. Um, these people that have either been going to church since they were kids or they just got into church and they know the right things to do. They'll go to church, you know. They've been going to youth group all their lives and they know how to pray. They pray before every meal and they'll pray, you know, if a bad thing happens and they know the right things to say and they might even know what some of the Bible says. But then when they go home on a Sunday after church, they'll get changed out of their church clothes and they'll start living in a way that is totally contradictory to the way that they claim to be. Um, I think there's so many people that will say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I'm a follower of Christ, but then they'll go home, or they'll go to their work, or they'll go to school, and they'll act and think and speak in a way that is totally opposite to a way that is glorifying to God to a point where if anyone else saw them, if an unbeliever saw them on the street or in school or in the place of work, they wouldn't even be able to tell. And that's not how God wants us as his people to be living our lives. God wants us to be living our lives not in a way that, oh, like, yeah, they're different. They go to church on Sunday. God wants us to be living our lives in a way that people can tell we're different by the way that we speak. And people can tell that we're different by the way that we act. And all the way down to the way that we think. Right? We are supposed to be set apart from the world so that we can be a light to the world. And that's something that Joshua was telling them, you know, you cannot serve God and the idols that you're trying to serve. That was something that was really apparent in that time, and there's still idols for us today. They don't look like little craven images, you know, there are that, but today's idols look a lot different, and sometimes they're a lot harder to tell what they are. Um, but it's just as important for us to always be making, be making sure that we keep our hearts in check to make sure that God is the number one priority and the number one relationship in our lives. Um, so we've seen Joshua gave the Israelites the reminder and he gave them the confrontation. 
And now we're going to look at the last thing, which is Israel's final decision. Um, so I'm going to read verses 21 through 27, and it says, but, Joshua said, or, but the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. We are witnesses. Yes, they replied. Uh, now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people that were there in Shechem. He reaffirmed for them decrees of the law, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak tree near the place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words that the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. So, Finally, we get to the, their final decision. You know, they were very quick after Joshua gave them, you know, you need to make a decision. They were like, yeah, like, we'll serve God. And he said, no, you need to take this seriously. Who are you going to serve, God or the world? And I really think it's, I just find it kind of funny that they, you know, just take what Joshua said when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they just group themselves in that and say, we will serve the Lord. Um, so what does Joshua do after after that, they made their decision. He made sure that they really thought about it because um, it's not a decision that anyone should take lightly, committing your life to Christ, committing to serving God. Um, so first he points to themselves as witnesses for the decision they made. You know, he said, you need to hold yourselves accountable to that decision. Don't just you know, go home, go to bed, and forget about it. And they recognize that. Um, but he doesn't stop there. Um, Joshua was advanced in years, like we said in the beginning. He was 110. Um, actually, at the end of this chapter, you read that he passes away and they bury him. Um, and so he knew he was. And so um, he knew that he would not always be there to remind the people about the promises that they made. Um, so what does he do? He makes a covenant. Um, he records all the things that the people promised to God, and he sets a large stone up in front of them. So that at any point in time when someone is walking through the land of Shechem, you know, it's something that you always see them do, you know, all the way throughout the history of Israel is when they make one of those commitments or something big happens, they would build a little altar out of rocks, right? Or the, like in this case, put a large stone, you know? And so then if anyone's walking by, whether it's someone who actually did see it or someone who, you know, it was like their grandparents saw it, they could walk by that land and see that stone and say, this is where you know, uh, we as a nation decided to be fully committed to God and serving him. Um, And to serving him and him alone. Um, So before we wrap up today, I just want to bring us all back to that question I asked in the very beginning of what is your next big thing? You know, I think when you look back on the children of Israel as they're going through the wilderness and as they settled in the land, and as they um, just kind of progressed as a nation, you can see it as they were kind of going throughout their lives, they had a lot of next big things that happened that took their eyes off of God, whether it be idols or um, foreign people that they allowed to stay with them or, you know, uh, anointing kings that they shouldn't have. There were a lot of things that they did that came up that they were so easily just took their eyes right off of God. And 
You know, Joshua had seen that throughout his entire life, you know. They're going through the wilderness. It's like, yep, God, you're great. You got us out of there. Oh, no, we're just going to complain because we don't like the food or whatever, you know. And it's just as easy for us to do that, us today. We, can ha- we have all these next big things that are good things, you know. Birthdays are great. Celebrated anniversaries, you know, graduations. They're all really good things. But they can also take your eyes off of what should be the main thing in your life, which is your relationship with God. You know, it's um, easy for us to have some of the different things, and um, like our school or our job or sports, anything like that, have that become our big thing, the thing that, you know, we identify as, as people. You know, like we go to church, yeah, but really like I'm way more focused on my schoolwork or I'm way more focused on my job or I'm way more focused on my sports that I need to do because that's really important and like I'll come back to God, right? But we can't be doing that. It's the exact same thing and I want to challenge you the same way that... Um, Joshua challenged the people is you just need to decide, you know, serve God or don't serve God. Because I think the worst thing that you could do as a follower of Christ is claim that you do serve God and claim that you're committed to God, but then when unbelievers see you, they see the exact opposite. That you're not serving God, you're not committed to God, you're committed to other things. Um, so that's really what I, what I want to challenge all of us here today is first challenge you all personally. Um, after this, I'm just going to give us a little bit of time to have a time of prayer and ask God if there's anything in our own hearts that we've, has caused us to take our eyes off of God and made sure that our relationship with him wasn't you know, the big thing in our lives. Um, but also what I want you to pray about is that we as a church would decide to be fully committed to God, like the children of Israel, that we would hold each other accountable to that and that we would push each other to that. So I'm just going to give us a few seconds to have just a short time of prayer and really want to encourage you to just ask God to show you the things that either you need to get out of your life or the things that you need to maybe put back in check. Um, my prayer for all of us is that we take that decision just as seriously as the nation of Israel took it at the time and as just as seriously as Joshua took it and that we can look back on this day right now if you made that commitment just like they do and look at it as a stone that's put up or as a covenant that they made. Um, you know, before I um, close out the sermon today, um, maybe you're here today or watching online and, you know, none of this really makes sense what I'm saying of, you know, a relationship with God or a covenant or, you know, even what I'm reading. Maybe it doesn't make sense and um, maybe you're wondering what it is. And um, I just don't want to end this message um, without making it very clear how you can start a personal relationship with God before, we, before you leave or before you um, end the live stream. Um, it's very simple. Um, the Bible says that um, everyone is a sinner and that that sin separates us from God. And it also says that the wages of sin is death, um, which is hell after you die. 
Um, but it also says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And how you accept that gift of God and accept that relationship with God is, it's very simple. It's just admit that you're a sinner and repent of those sins and turn away. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God or was the Son of God and came down and died for your sins and rose again on the third day and confess with your mouth that you believe that. Um, So it's very simple. Uh, If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never made that decision and that's something that you would be interested in, I want to really encourage you to reach out to myself or Pastor Michael or um, anyone else here. I'm sure that we'd all be really happy to um, help walk through that with you. Um, But that's all I have for you as far as the challenge goes, so I'm just going to close this in prayer and then we can head out. Uh, dear God, I just thank you for this day and just um, this time for all of us to come together. I uh, pray that you would help us all not to just listen to these words or read these words and um, stand up and just go home and go about our lives. I pray that you can help us just to take seriously what is in your word and take seriously um, what was said here today and what was prayed here today and what was committed here today. I pray that you can help all of us individually um, to look back on this day and see that we made that full commitment. Um, that we're not going to let our schoolwork or our jobs or our sports or anything else get in the way of our relationship with you. Um, but make sure that that's our number one important thing. I pray that you can help us do that as individuals, and I pray that you can help us do that um, as one congregation. Just help us to move forward in unity in that and hold each other accountable and love each other and push each other to that. Um, again, I just thank you for this day. Um, I pray that you'll just give us all a safe trip back, and I pray that you'll just bless the fellowship that we have afterwards. Praise things in your name. Amen.